Please stand as you are able for today's New Testament lesson from the book of Luke, chapter 5, verses 27 through 32. After this, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. Then he got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi gave a great banquet for him in his house, and there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others sitting at the table with them. The Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Thank you, Sister Angela, for reading our scripture. Well, friends, welcome to week six of our sermon series, Kindred Hearts, where we are still exploring the call stories of the people of Jesus. And tonight, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we will continue as we explore the call of Levi, also known as Matthew. Let us pray. Gracious God, Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you. God, I thank you so much for using me today. God, preach your word. God, allow your Holy Spirit to take over. Crucify my flesh so your spirit may rise up within me. May the words that come out of my mouth be pleasing and acceptable to you. God, I ask that everyone who is listening and or watching under the sound of my voice, that they hear the word for them from you. So speak, Lord, speak, Lord. We, your children, are listening. Give us eyes to see you. Give us a mind to comprehend and understand. Give us a heart to receive you, God. Give us what we need, God. Have your way and your will. Preach it, teach it, and tell it as you see fit. It is in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, we pick up with the Gospel of Luke. And chapter 5 begins with the calling of Peter, who is one of the first disciples, and it ends with the calling of Levi. Now, much like Peter, Levi also, who's known as Matthew, is going to have an experience that changes his life. He's going to experience a vocational change. So before Levi is approached by Jesus. Jesus is known throughout the land. Everyone is, is talking about Jesus. He's buzzing. People are saying, I've seen some strange things happening 
when this man comes around. Oh my God, did you hear? Did you hear all the healings that he's doing? Did you hear? Did you hear? He's touching unclean people and making them clean. Did you hear? Did you hear that he's healing the sick? Did you hear? Did you hear that he's in the synagogues and he's talking and he's teaching the teachers? Did you hear? Did you hear? Jesus' name is buzzing everywhere throughout the land. And wouldn't you know, typical Jesus, he's walking around, he's recruiting his disciples. Scripture tells us, and he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. Two words, follow me. Now here Jesus goes of all the people in the land that Jesus could have approached and asked to follow him. Jesus picks the one person that's despised by most of the Jewish people. Jesus picks this crooked, low down, wicked, evil man named Levi. In first century, a tax collector was the scum of the earth. Oh yes, tax collectors were despised by both the Jews and the Gentiles because they worked for the enemy, also known as Rome. The tax collector would not only collect taxes, but the tax collectors, they were crafty. You see, a tax collector would make sure when they came to collect from the people that they also made a profit for themselves. They would use the tax system to pocket money for themselves. Tax collectors live lavish lives because they got rich off the poor. So here is Levi, a tax collector that serves as a go-between for Rome and his own people. Levi participates in this oppressive system that bleeds the people dry, that causes his very own people to be under Roman's denomination. Roman dominates, Roman is sucking them dry. And here is Levi proud to be part of this oppressive system as he steals from his own people. Whew. I wonder how Levi's parents felt. Let's look at his name. So Levi was named by his parents after the tribe of priests in the Old Testament. Levi's parents, probably I could see it now when he was born, they gave him the name Levi, praying and hoping with high hopes that our son will live up to his name and he will become a Levite, a priest. In first century, a priest was the go-between between between the people and God. Levi, oh yes, my baby boy, our son. Levi, he is meant to be the human face of a loving God. 
He's meant to bring the people under the influence of God. Yet, here is Levi, <laughs> chooses another path, and he is a tax collector. Instead of being the face of a loving God, he is the face of an evil, oppressive system. Instead of being under the influence of God, he is under the influence of greed. Instead of bringing the people to God, he's draining the people of their own existence. Somewhere in his life, he became greedy and selfish and got caught up in the desire of worldly possessions and gang. Somewhere he lost his way. <laughs> Sounds familiar? Mm-hmm. Amen. I've been there, haven't you? So when I looked at this text, I said, hmm, Levi didn't live up to his namesake at this time. Instead of being this priest and all of this, and he wants to be a tax collector, I said, hmm, I could look at this in two ways. I could look at his path from two perspectives, one as a young adult and the other as a loving parent. As a young adult, you did life the way you wanted to. <laughs> you wanted to possess it all. I remember being young, couldn't wait to leave home. Woo, I couldn't wait to get from up under my grandmama Nim. Woo. I had plans, you had plans when you were young. You wanted everything, you know, you don't want all the stuff, right? You want to be known, you want to be seen, you want to be popular, you want to have friends, you want to be in the front, you want to be the best, you want to be number one. But somehow, doing life the way you wanted to, you lost your way. Or we could look at it as a loving parent. You know when that baby's born and you holding that baby and you're looking down at that sweet, precious thing. And you know, some of us parents, we're real crafty. You know, we understand that it's important that we give our children the right name. You know, because you want your child to live up to that name. That name that you give that baby, it has some significance for you. It's some type of importance. It may be your daddy's name, your grandmama's name, your auntie's name, the family name, whatever name it is. That's a name that you are claiming for this baby. And you're probably saying, God, I pray that this baby lives up to his name. And then you provide for this baby. You make sure as this baby's growing up, this baby has a good home. This baby has a good family. This baby goes to a good school. This baby is a part of a good church. You try to shower this baby with all the good stuff that you can offer. Yet sometimes when they become young adults, <laughs> they lose their way. They no longer want to do it like you want to do it. They no longer want to be on the path. You know how we do, we create a path for our children. 
Amen. Mm-hmm. Yes, we do. From one minute of birth, my children's life was planned. I even shared it with them, but that doesn't mean they fell into it. I'm still praying, Jesus. Maybe this is how Levi's parents felt. They raised this boy. They named this boy, praying and hoping that this boy would live up to the potential. Yet their son lost his way instead of the townspeople wanting to be in his presence and listening to the words of God. The townspeople despise him. The townspeople, instead of saying, oh, you are a blessed parents, you have a great son, people are probably mocking and talking about these parents because your son is the scum of the earth. <laughs> Woo. Thanks be to God for Jesus and the Holy Spirit. You see, as Jesus is walking, Jesus saw Levi's potential. Jesus could see through the tax booth. Jesus looked past his vocation. Jesus looked past what people thought of him and how everyone felt about him. And Jesus saw him and said to him, follow me. Two words, follow me. Not if you can shut down a tax booth, do this, do that. He just said, follow me. And what does Levi do? How does he respond to this man that's strolling through town and says, follow me? He responds the way Jesus desires all of us to respond. Scripture says he got up, left everything, and followed him. Levi was so consumed with greed that his parents, his friends, or the townspeople, no one could make him or convince him to give up that ugly, crooked job. Yet two words from Jesus changed him. Follow me. Levi gave up everything. He didn't clock out church. He left to follow Jesus. John Wesley notes, and this tickles me, he says, Levi does not leave literally everything and give it up. He only left his business and his game. I said, well, Wesley, that's fine. But either way, he gave up something to follow Jesus. Someone that was living the life, the good life as he thought, he gave up worldly fame, worldly gain for spiritual growth and spiritual gain. He gave up worldly possessions for eternal possessions. Can you walk away from the life that you've grown so accustomed to? You know, the good life with the good stuff. Can you do like Matthew if Jesus strolled by and said, follow me? 
Could you give up the things that make you feel good, the things that make you feel tall, the things that make you feel powerful, the things that make you feel strong? To follow Jesus? Now let's be clear here. The Gospel of Luke is not saying to go bankrupt, okay? Because everybody getting a little, you know, getting a little up, eyes uptight now. It's not telling us to go bankrupt, to just give it up, just throw it away and just go. No, but what it's calling us to do is yes, to be good stewards of our finance and our time, to be careful and mindful in all that we do. So here's Jesus saying, follow me. Now, Matthew could have just, well, Levi could have just said, okay, Jesus, and kept on strolling, you know, just go on with Jesus. But no, scripture tells us that he decides that he's going to give a great banquet and Jesus is going to be the host in his house. And there's a large crowd. He's invited all his crooked, evil, low down, scum of the earth, tax collector friends. <laughs> and others, they're all sitting in the house at the table with Jesus. Now here's this crooked man that's selfish and greedy, two words from Jesus, he gives it up, follows him, has a banquet, and becomes generous. He's the total opposite of what he used to be. Levi invites other people who need to meet Jesus into his house. He desires for his friends to spend time with Jesus. Look at me, man. Jesus changed my life. You don't have to do this. Come to the banquet. This is an opportunity for you to hear from Jesus. Don't believe me? Come on. Come to the table. It's room for everybody. Come on. What are you talking about lately with your friends? Are you telling them about Jesus? Are you sharing with them how Jesus changed your life with two words, follow me? Are you telling people how I had to let this go? Say bye over here, turn around, do something different because I chose to follow Jesus. How do you set your table? Who are you inviting to your table? Are you like Levi, inviting all people, anybody want to come? There's room at the table for everyone. Anybody that wants to hear about Jesus or do you have a selected invitation list? Jesus is the host of the banquet. <laughs> You know, every time Jesus in scripture is a host of a banquet, it's something about his guest list. His guest list is not fabulous. They're not the rich and famous. You know, they're not the head honchos. They're usually broken, afflicted, marginalized. You know, they got a lot of issues going on, right? But they show up. Jesus extends his invitation to anyone who admits, I'm a sinner. Jesus loves to dine with the outsiders. 
You know, the spiritual outsiders, the physical outsiders, and the social outsiders. Jesus loves to set his table for the unclean people, the outcasts, the less than, the forgotten. Those people, you know who they are. As always, when the word gets out, Jesus in town, he's having some kind of part over there. They're having some kind of banquet. We might need to go check it out. Then there goes those Pharisees. You know, there's always a Pharisee somewhere. We got them in our families. You know them Pharisees. The ones that's always looking at you. Always trying to see if you are who you really say you are. You know the Pharisees, the ones, your family, your friends, acquaintances, or whatever, that just can't believe that you have totally changed. That you are a new person. You are a new creature with a new feature. They just can't believe it. So they show up expecting you to mess up. You know those people. The Pharisees and their scribes were complaining to his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? The Pharisees and the scribes, you have to understand that they place emphasis on segregation from anything that would make one unclean. And how can Jesus, this man that's supposed to be so holy, so righteous, so clean, how could he be at a table with such unclean people? Oh my God, then that means that Jesus, he will become unclean. In this context, sinners refer to the people who are unclean. You know, just not unclean on the outside, but the people who, according to their standards, the people that are outside of God's people, you know those people. You know those people that you say, uh, Shelby, you need Jesus. Those people, you know what I'm saying? Those people right there. They just don't get it. Jesus tells them in the previous chapter when he's in the synagogue in Nazareth and he delivers his first public sermon when he opens the scroll and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. When Jesus was in the synagogue saying that, everybody was like, amen, hallelujah, amen, hallelujah. Because it was okay because they thought it only meant for them. Yeah, that sounds great if you're going to help us and heal us. And you're going to do these wonderful things for us. But now it's a problem because it's not just about us. Now you're at this banquet and you're at this banquet and you got these folks in there that are unclean. And now you're talking about the Jews and the Gentiles, the slaves and the free and all this kind of stuff. You, uh-uh, this is too much. And Jesus answers the Pharisees and says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance. 
Shelby prayed about the physician. Jesus is the great physician. Brother Jonathan and I just had a conversation about a sermon he's preaching tomorrow about the great physician. God is speaking. Jesus is the great physician. He's the physician for the sick. You know when you're sick and you go to the doctor, you just don't show up at the doctor. You have to tell the doctor what's wrong with you. You have to tell the doctor what's ailing you, what's bothering you, what's hurting. So then that way the doctor can look at your symptoms and then the doctor can give you a diagnosis and the doctor can write you a prescription and then you get it filled and you take the medicine and then you feel great. Well, Jesus is bigger and badder than that, baby. Jesus is the great physician because not only does he heal the physical, but he heals the mental and especially the spiritual sickness. You know, spiritual sickness is those sicknesses that afflict you. You know, that, that sickness where, you know, you have that hatred and that envy and that jealousy and that strife and all those ugly things inside of you that makes your soul sick. Yeah, that spiritual sickness. Jesus wants to heal you. However, you've got to repent and say, I am a sinner in need of you, Jesus. You see, the Pharisees claimed they were righteous and they still didn't get it. When Jesus says, I've come for the sick, for the sinner, not the righteous, Oh, they think, oh, I know that's right because I'm righteous. They don't understand that baby Jesus came for all of us. You have to be careful not to be like the Pharisees. Just because you've been a member of a church forever and you come and you got five generations and all of that don't make you righteous. Jesus is righteous. Reverend Pat used to say to us all the time in her sermons, she would say, if you did not walk on water today, you are not Jesus. Amen. And we would go, amen. She would always say that. And Jesus is righteous. Jesus came for all of us. All of us at some point in our lives have been like Levi. Jesus saw a tax collector who lost his way and invited him to follow him. Jesus wanted him to be a part of his circle. Jesus wanted him to be part of the 12. Jesus wanted him to be with him. The one that the world despised, yet Jesus loved. Jesus knew that he was destined to be a priest to live up to his namesake. Jesus knew he was created for a purpose. Jesus knew that everything his parents had prayed and hoped for was going to come. It was going to be fulfilled if only he follows me. Now Matthew is one of the 12 that goes out preaching and teaching and proclaiming the good news and sharing and giving. He's generous and loving and kind. He's no longer wicked but he's good because Jesus invited him. When everyone else shunned him, Jesus invited him to follow me. So church in closing, the same Jesus that called Levi the crooked, 
low down, scum of the earth. Some of us have been called that stuff before. Jesus saw his spiritual potential and Jesus invited him to follow me. And today, Jesus is still inviting us with our crooked, low-down, backstabbing, greedy, selfish, envy, jealous, self-righteous, and messed up of a mess of ourselves. Yet Jesus is still inviting us to follow him. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, let the church say amen. Amen.